Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I took a long pause there to wait for a garbage truck to go by. <laughs> Didn't need to do that. Didn't need to do that because there's probably going to be all kinds of weird noises coming through the mic today because I'm I'm recording away from home. Yeah, you're uh, you're on an away mission, and uh, <laughs> it's no telling what gets through the walls of that shuttlecraft. I know you're not a big sportsman. But do you remember when the famous baseball stadium up in Seattle, the Kingdom, <laughs> started raining tiles down onto the field and they had to they had to cancel a, a bunch of games? Oh wow. And they had to eventually tear down the Kingdom. <laughs> like they fixed it and then they were like this is fucked up. We're just going to build a new stadium. Wow, that's like a couple billion dollar oopsie. Well, the reason I, I bring it up is because tiles started coming down in our home, the very home that we invited you and your wife to not too long ago. Tiles were just flying off of our uh, yeah. of our fireplace area. I, uh, when I visited you, there were several tiles that looked like they were being held in place with like gaffer's tape. Yeah. I mean, gaffer's <laughs> tape is great for a fireplace tile because it's not going to leave any of that residue. Right. Yeah. It's... Uh... <laughs> And aesthetically, just so pleasing to the eye. I mean, for a lot of people, it doesn't make sense how much more expensive it is than a regular tape. But once you use it for a while. Yeah. Then you really appreciate it. You can appreciate the difference. Anyway. You guys put that tile up in like March 2020. Like you you had the job booked during the pandemic. And yeah. you had workmen coming in while, while the scariest part of the beginning of the pandemic was happening. Yeah. You guys really suffered for those tiles. It sucks that they're falling off the wall. Well, we're lucky no one got hit. So while the tile rework gets done, we have absconded to Palm Springs. <laughs> Beautiful Palm Springs, a place we used to go to quite a bit. And now we're back. Palm Springs is where it swings. Yeah. We've short-term rented a lovely home here. That's great. Here's the thing about vacationing with a puppy, Ben. <laughs> Not really a vacation? Yeah, there is no vacation with the puppy. <laughs> She's eating weird berries off the ground. She's eating uh, palm tree cast-offs <laughs> off of the ground. These are things she doesn't do at home. Yeah. But she's on vacation too, Ben, yes. which means uh, she's really living it up. Hey, fuck it, man. Let's just eat everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, nobody more put upon than Adam Pranica these days. <laughs> I don't want to make it seem like that, but I've been you, making it seem that way. You and got a cute, cute puppy. I think I, we got to get you into a different mindset, man. You're too focused on the negative. I really am. And and you and my lovely wife have been doing yeoman's work trying to like get me out of the funk. But I think I have an idea of how I can do that in okay. the short term, at least. Uh-huh. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but this house came with party supplies. Wow. And this is the first time this has ever happened to us. We we got in very late last night. We got in at like after 11p, <laughs> unloaded all of our stuff, basically went to bed right after and realized in the morning that there were a bunch of like new unopened snacks and bottles of booze and stuff here as like wow. welcome Welcome to our cool place. But there's one beverage item I found in the fridge that I'm wondering if you've ever heard of. And I thought maybe we could do a quick uh, Let's Drink About It style yeah. session here. Let's drink about it. I mean, you do still owe me a tiki. Um, I know. I know I do. I, I lived up to the tiki requirements of our game. You... Maybe this is the get back. Maybe this is, this is my get back for the tiki. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're, you're in the right place. What yeah. is this what is this beverage? Have you ever heard of and I'm holding this up to the camera for you and the viewers at home. Have you ever heard of the long drink? <laughs> <laughs> the Finnish legend of 1952? Is that what that says on the box? I style myself as a as a drinking enthusiast. Yeah. I'm nowhere near the the cocktail historian that that you are. Oh, you're no slouch. 
I've never heard of Finnish long drink other than like a buddy of mine at a bar saying, hey, finish your long drink. We're going to the next bar. <laughs> so it's a blue box. It's a six pack. It doesn't appear to have a brand on it yeah. other than the long drink company. In Finland, long drink refers to a mixed drink made from gin and most commonly grapefruit soda. That sounds delicious. Yeah. It's got a story on the back. Long drink is a top-selling category of alcohol in Finland, a legend that is now available in America. The roots of long drinks go back to the 1952 Summer Games in Helsinki, when the country (laughs) of only 4 million people was still recovering from World War II. Concerned how to serve drinks quickly enough to all the visitors, the government came up with a revolutionary idea of a new liquor drink that was both delicious and fast to serve. And so the first long drinks were born. This is a great idea. Like, you want to serve your customers quickly. Yeah. You want to give them something strong and good. And that's how the long drink was born. Just to describe this box, we're looking at what would otherwise just look like a six pack of beers. It's it's normal yeah. sized cans in a you know six pack box, right? But it's a color you very rarely see on the beer aisle, kind of a uh aquamarine blue. Yeah, or a periwinkle. Yeah, you know what it is, periwinkle. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this. Okay, wow. These these came as I said, these these came free with the house. Amazing. I have some friends who bought their first house in uh, the last year or so, and it's like out of town. You know, they're millennials, so they can't afford to live in the house that they can afford to buy. Sure. Kind of a deal. Yeah. But they're Airbnb-ing it, and that's like one of the things they do is leave some wines and, and spirits for tenants. And I was like, I that's such a great call. Why are my Airbnbs never providing this? I don't know, but uh, I'm I'm liking... The connotation here. I'm liking that this is this could be a trend. Yeah. All right, Ben. This is 5.5 percent alcohol. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if we're doing alcohol measuring here. Yeah. Let's let's take it to the dome. Oh, this is going to be dangerous. Oh man, is it uh, is it a grapefruit long drink? This is the grapefruit long drink that tastes just like a grapefruit soda and nothing else. Like <laughs> it barely has any aftertaste at all that wow. you would associate with a kind of a canned mixed cocktail. Like uh our preferred airline of choice, Delta Airlines, has like little stubby can cocktails. I don't know if you've flown them recently, but I have not. They're starting to do that. Oh, that's interesting. I, they haven't had tequila the last couple of times I've been on an airplane, which I... That's because they're only putting it in these little canned cocktails that wow. they, they're okay. starting to do. But this reminds me of that in a very positive way. It's tasty. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I, I would uh, join you with an adult beverage of my own, Adam, but I have uh, I have to go down to a county office in Van Nuys, California to file some paperwork for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it sounds to me like you could use a long drink or two. I really could. Known as the best tasting booze in the world, <laughs> according to 5 million Finns. Wow. Wow. Good for Finland for coming up with Longkero, which I'm seeing as the Finnish styling of the <laughs> the phrase long drink. Oh, they couldn't just call it that? Yeah. I kind of like Longkero. Long drink. <laughs> it's such a, I would have expected a, a tall boy. Yeah. Why not make it the tall boy format? Or like a, a thinner can, you know, like a Collins glass? Because like, I think the American association with the term long drink would be like a Tom Collins served in a tall, skinny mixed drink glass. Yeah. I haven't had a Tom Collins in a long time, but I do remember liking them quite a bit. That's like a real, that's a real golf course yeah. beverage right there, you know? It's just gin lemonade, you know? So uh, It's delicious. Probably not super far off of what you're drinking right now. It's great. I wish I could reach through the screen like the Take On Me video and uh, mm-hmm. and give you a pencil-drawn can of long drink. Yeah, that would be great. But uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to remain stone-cold sober while we review this next episode of Star Trek Voyager. It's Season 3, Episode 17, Unity. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. Ah!
Should be noted before we kick off here, it's the second B-Dunks directed episode. I did not notice that. That's great news. Yeah, he did so good after the first time. They gave him the second. I mean, that's how you get directing jobs, having had previously done directing jobs. Let's see if we can tell the difference. (laughs) We begin with Chakotay's log in a Subaru Brat-style shuttle once again. They got a number of these brats on the ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Saves you money, buster. They keep losing them, though. It's like going to a Polish barbecue. <laughs> Nothing but <Yeah>. brats. <laughs> Delicious. Now, I guess they got kielbasa in Poland, right? Do they eat sure. brats there, too? Yes. Okay, good. They eat all manner of sausage. Excellent. Yes, it's Ensign Kaplan and Commander Chicote doing a scouting mission in the Necrot Expanse, a uh, part of space that was kind of a big deal a couple episodes ago, but we didn't really hear anything about in the last episode. Seems like this scouting mission may indicate that this place is not as mappable as they thought. No, no, because, uh, God, poor Ensign Kaplan. I was positive this would be the worst thing to happen to her this episode. Are you saying we lost Ensign? <laughs> Getting them lost. Yeah. That suspicion would be proven wrong in a little bit. Yeah, she's not going to have to live with this shame for too long. She's dying of embarrassment here. Yeah. I'm sorry, sir. We've never related to a character in Star Trek more than we relate to Ensign Kaplan. God, what a bad last day. <laughs> I feel bad for Ensign Kaplan. Yeah, she got a raw deal. They also don't have comms with Voyager and they're scanning around, and they actually get uh, a hail, and this hail is from somebody that is using a Federation signal and has identified them as a Federation vessel. So it's real Federation-recognized Federation game. It's weird how threatening it is to be recognized when you don't expect to be. Yeah, right? that's true. That's definitely the vibe here. Like, I, There is a suggestion of a little bit of joy in... The familiar. Yeah. But also, like, there's a list of a hundred reasons why this would be a bad thing. Yeah. So precautions need to be taken. And I was very glad that they were able to launch a message bois. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. To let the Voyager know where they were and what they were up to. Would you ever want to get out of Bois range from Voyager, given how dangerous every mission on a shuttle is in all of Star Trek? I would leave them behind me like breadcrumbs or flicker sticks or something. Like I'd never get lost. I would be wasting these things all the time. Your Subaru brat would just be like shitting Bois. <laughs> Every 20 feet. I'd be like that truck on the highway that's closing a lane down that's like automatically dropping cones <laughs> every 15 feet. That's what my shuttle would look like. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they decamp for this colony that they found. And this looks like a really rough part of town that they found themselves yeah. in. Lots of You can tell a part of town is bad when there's lots of uh, barrels with fires in them. It's basically like the beginning of the first Rocky movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frank Stallone is shooby-doing off in the, in the alleyway. Yeah. They're set upon by some, uh, some local baddies, some cloaked men with machine guns. And this devolves into a firefight really quickly and Ensign Kaplan and Chakotay both get hit. It sucks because Kaplan's dying words are like, I was embarrassed about getting us lost, but also double embarrassment about getting shot on this away mission. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 I pissed myself too. Oh, oh no. (laughs) Oh, this sucks. Oh, and somebody put a kick me sign on the back of my shirt. Oh, how long has this been here? Oh. How did these people get a video of me in high school? Oh, and I'm in a play? It's Fiddler on the Roof? What a kind of accent is that? What am I even trying to do here? And how did they let me out on stage with toilet paper stuck to my shoe? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Chicote doesn't get the hero turn of like lifting Kaplan into his arms and screaming to the heavens. He's like ducking for cover and yeah. returning fire and like swinging two handed 
fists into people. Like he he needs to do a lot to survive this moment. He gets hit. He's uh collapsing on the floor and you think he's done for because the bad guys are moving in and then from off screen yeah. someone shoots a fire gun ain't nothing but a McGee thing <laughs> the gun that they shoot Chakotay with is like a, a revolutionary war size long gun situation <laughs> much like much like my long drink right. styles itself has it looks very refreshing and uh, higher yeah. alcohol than you would think <laughs> Yeah, and then the fire gun comes out, and it's not a gun. This <laughs> is a gun. <laughs> and those uh, those other guys scram. Yeah. So Chicote wakes up in a dark room being tended to by a human woman who is explaining to him, like, yeah, your shuttle has been, you know, it's up on blocks. It's been totally stripped for parts. <laughs> That's uh, you're not going to get out of here with that thing. And uh, I wish they saw it later, like totally donked out, and <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. big spoiler on the back. <laughs> yeah, a guy with the seat like leaned all the way back, driving it through. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they even get beads for that seat? Oh man, good idea putting a dustbuster in the door. <laughs> right. The shuttlecraft. She's like, man, you know, like we sent the distress call, but who rescued who, you know? (laughs) Know what I mean? (laughs) I tell you what, whenever you wake up in a hospital setting and there are a number of dark corners in your hospital room Mm -hmm. from which your nurse is speaking from, I'm immediately suspicious. And from these dark corners is where Riley Frazier is greeting Chakotay and giving him this background information. It really does seem like this is going to turn into space misery, right? Oh, darling, it'll be so beautiful. Yeah. Everyone knows what Kathy Bates sounds like. Uh-huh. But Riley Frazier has a very Beverly Crusher-style vocal effect. Like, she sounds really soothing and nice as just a bedside companion. Relax, Commander. There's a contradiction there. Like, she's speaking from the darkness, but she sounds so... Uh, caring. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of tension in this scene, and I think part of it is that she's always shot from below. She's shot in this kind of dominant framing, Mm -hmm. and pretty much throughout the episode, she's shot like that. Yeah. With only a couple of exceptions, but yeah, it feels really sinister, and like uh, we're not getting a totally trustworthy narrative from her. But she starts to tell the story of this colony. And she's like, there's like dozens of different kinds of aliens here, including lots from the Aquad. Like we're talking Cardassians, Romulans, Vulcans, Klingons, anybody you can think of. They're probably here. And, uh, you know, I was just like hanging around doing some Starfleet shit in the Aquad. And then me and a few humans woke up here. And it's just people from all over the place. We don't know how this works. Yeah, she was on a ship that was attacked. And then all of these different types of people were put into stasis. Yeah. And then they just wake up together. Yeah. Like a bad night at a party. (laughs) Where every single person got abducted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They never saw who these kidnappers were, though. She makes sure to make that point in telling her story. Uh, But it's not all bad. Chicote, we got like a natural grocery store here and a bunch of uh, like backyard farming. Yeah. You'll just have to believe me when I say that it's not a cult, even though every way that I describe this situation sounds very culty. <laughs> Everyone loves playing volleyball together, like kind of a weird interest in volleyball, if you ask me. You gotta make you come to volleyball. We start at like 11 p.m. at the earliest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he is, he's not really, like, well enough to get up and, like, take a look at the colony. So he's kind of, like, bedridden for the moment. And, uh, Nor is their ability to communicate right. working because that's been broken in the firefight. Yeah. And Chakotay would love to help if he didn't have this terrible headache. What she describes as the co-op is the sort of stable civil society part of this planet. But there's just, like, roving gangs of xenophobic aliens running around that... Uh, they are needing to defend themselves from at all times. Chakotay's expecting this other shoe to drop because like when he goes and picks some vegetables from their produce section, like he goes through the checkout and he gets hit up by the check stand person. Like, do you want to buy a membership? 
yeah. here or are you just going to buy all these things? Like, it's really a hard sell. Yeah. And he's like, what does it entail? And they're like, well, you have to work a couple of shifts every month. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> you know, I actually don't plan on being here very long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in from out of town, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's the best answer. <laughs> Do you want the club card? Do you want to sign up for the club card? No, I'm, I'm actually just on vacation. I, I really try not to give my phone number or email out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say except... I'm sorry. Back on Voyager, Tom Paris really bored trying to uh, make their way through the Necrid Expanse. Yeah, hey, Paris, you got time to be bored. You got time to clean the fucking plasma scrubbers or whatever. <laughs> Isn't that what Neelix had to do when he got in trouble for lying a couple of yeah. months ago? They're really kind of casually throwing around punishments on this ship. Yeah, starting to be a really brutal place to work. You will be yeah. Paris uh, snaps too, and he's like, No, I love, I actually love navigating the Necrid Expanse. It's cool. Yeah. It's a very interesting challenge. Tuvok gets Paris off the hook here by saying that there's a ship in their path. <laughs> and when they don't reply to Hales, they go ahead and get it on screen. And saved by the Borg. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the most surprising ship they could see is dead ahead, and it is dark. It's scary because it's a Borg queue, but it's also scary because none of the lights are on. Yeah, it's off. It's an off cube, and it's doing that listless, slightly askew spin in space move that's always creepy when you see a ship doing it, which is like tricky to achieve with a cube, right? Like to make it look like, I guess it's- It always looks like it's upright. Yeah. (laughs) Is that on purpose or- (laughs) I'd like to send an away team over there to ask what the deal is with which side is up. <laughs> this is a great opportunity. Should we call it the artifact or not come up with that yet? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this idea kind of blows the rest of the bridge crew away. Janeway is ready to scout yeah. and potentially swipe some of that tasty technology. Yeah, and BLT is like, yeah, I mean, I guess we could like turn one thing on and see if we could find out what happened to the ship and then turn it off really quickly and hope that that doesn't boot the whole thing up. Nothing bad ever happens when you just hit one switch. Yeah. Back down on the planet, Chakotay is getting a sense of all of the different crops being cultivated by the co-op. Some really nice like macrobiotic, you know, fair trade farm fresh like this stuff is better than organic he checks out what they're growing and it is just all gherkins and he's like (laughs) are you serious with the gherkins no problem i'm a vegetarian he's also like where did you get metro shelving in the delta quadrant (laughs) yeah uh riley is wondering why voyager's crew doesn't just stop their journey home and maybe put down some class m roots the way they did Look at how happy everyone is. This place rules. Why don't you join us? And Chicote is like, like we could, but like, if we go home, we'll die before we get there. But we have a lot of like cool exploration we can do along the way. I love what this moment does with your expectations because <laughs> there's such a fun take from Riley from Chicote here, where Chicote is like, you know, you could always come back with me. And Riley looks at him like. He's just spit in her face. Like, (laughs) why would I want to do that? That's fucking crazy. What the fuck, dude? I just met you. (laughs) Do you do you see these tubers? (laughs) I'd like to see you grow these on your ship. Uh, Hey, does the Voyager have any barrels with fires in them? Because if not, not interested. Yeah. She doesn't want to go with him, but she could use some help from him and his crew. Yeah. I mean, he's seen what they're dealing with down there with all of these skirmishes they're having to defend themselves from. And, you know, maybe once the Voyager comes back, they'd see fit to share some of their defensive technology or whatever. That'd be nice, right? She's like, listen, we want to fix our communications array and then just keep building this society that's based on mutual understanding and tolerance. So if we could get some guns, that would be perfect. (laughs) Guns and volleyballs are are what we could use the most of, really. And branding irons. A soldering iron or something? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't really want to get into what that part's for, but, you know, we just have lots of ideas for it. I feel like I can talk to you about this stuff because I'm seeing what's on your face and, like, I feel like you can appreciate, uh, permanent marking on one's body <laughs> as a way to honor a belief system, you know? Yeah, yeah. So on the board cube, an away team has beamed over and it's the captain and Tuvok and BLT and a few more people and... They are looking around for nodes that they can plug into and get a sense of what happened to this cube. There's a great jump scare where they like move yeah. some hoses out of the way and like Sam Jackson in Jurassic Park, a dead Borg <laughs> falls out from behind it. I love like this is the fun of filmmaking right here, like setting up your shot and having this go directly to camera. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is great. <laughs> it is really fun. Uh, it's kind of a stone-cold mystery. Like, what happened to these Borgs? Why did they just turn off their cube and die in the middle of space? We ask a lot of these types of questions in the McLaughlin group after. Issue one. Where we learn that the cube has been powered down for five years. Yeah. And 1,100 Borgs are dead over there. Which is why it smelled the way it did, I guess. Interesting timeline on that power down, come yeah. to think of it. Yeah. They brought one of the bodies aboard to study it. I mean, I don't see any downside to that. Yeah, yeah. Only good things happen when you bring a separated Borgs on board. <laughs> There's coffee in that autopsy. Well, I mean, this is a great opportunity to upload a, uh, a virus, if you will. Right. BLT raises a pretty scary prospect in this meeting, which is what if what powered this ship down was something even worse than the Borgs? Kind of a terrifying idea. It is. Like something so much more powerful than the Borgs that they don't even care to steal all the gear and tech that was left behind. Like that's part of the mystery too, right? Like yeah. the Borg love taking anything of value off of the battlefield once the battle's over. We've seen it a dozen times, but the this ship is not getting the same treatment. Yeah. So lots of mysteries. Janeway's like, it occurs to me that Chakotay is still out there on his mission and maybe we should recall him. Also Ensign Kaplan. Right. <laughs> Let's see how she's doing too. I'm very concerned. Right. Good idea, Janeway. Chakotay wakes up and struggles through his delirium to try and escape this room. He's seen Riley like leave the room in a way that sort of makes it look like she's uh, locking the door behind her. Yeah. Don't even think about anybody coming for you. And I feel like he's thinking this might be a misery situation also. And uh, he gets up and he actually manages to get the door open pretty easily. This is a great head fake here. Like <laughs> he tries and he fails and then he starts banging on the door. <laughs> and it just works. Yeah. And he walks out to... A scene very much like one of those like TNG episodes that was laying groundwork for the Borgs, like where they where they find colonies where like everything has just been scooped out of the surface of a planet. Right. He's in yeah. a building that is right on the edge of a crater like that. And there's a bunch of people toiling and uh, he's like looking around and he spots Riley getting Borg shit messed with in the back of her head. Chakotay is so upset by this. And it's not that he's been lied to about her true nature or what everyone is doing here. It's that she's bald. Bald? Bald. <laughs> bald, bald. The hairpiece looks great in her defense. Yeah. Totally natural hairline. You'd never be able to tell. No, it looks it looks awesome. And she's like, okay, I know what this looks like. I, <laughs> I know you see me here with a guy that's obviously also a Borg's. Messing with the Borg stuff on my head. And let me explain. And she goes through her backstory. She was on one of the ships at Wolf 359. She got assimilated. And then their ship disconnected from the collective back here. If you think too hard about this story, it doesn't make sense, right? Because that ship and all the Borgs on it was destroyed. Oh, really? Were there? Yeah. I, I was trying to remember if there was more than one cube. In the Locutus no. story. No, that was just the single cube. Huh. So, I mean, I understand I may be thinking about this in three-dimensional terms, <laughs> the way that Picard was accused of doing when he was like, I saw the queen die on that one cube. Right. I was there. Right. 
I mean, it makes you wonder if there was some sort of a spherical escape pod in that cube or maybe, yeah, I don't know what. Those but, cubes can poop a sphere. But like, there's a lot of jangly keys here in this moment that serve as a distraction from the flawed logic of, of what this might mean. Yeah. Part of it is like how well practiced the story sounds and, and how all of the handoffs between people are so natural. Yeah. And then like we get to the last guy and he's like, and then I say the part about our skin pigmentation. Like <laughs> this is another part that's so suspicious is like how this story is told. Yeah. It's very first grade play. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we learned how to tell this story by watching the Ensign Kaplan video from her school play. <laughs> Pretty humiliating, actually. This is how you tell stories, right? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she evacuated her bladder in front of the whole school. Yee. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum. Get that gold medal, Hodgman. I've got to get that platinum. What not? Are you planning a heist? Gold. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm gonna head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Get do it. Do it. Get do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Get do it. Do it. Get do it. Do it. Riley says they were on that cube and it was damaged five years ago by a space storm that severed their links. And then once they all got free, they went to go live on this planet together. And the co-op is sort of what they have formed as a reaction to not being in a collective anymore. Right. They're, They're doing their best to have a society despite the fact that their link has been severed. There's a really elegant way to tell the story of their evolution in that once they got unlinked from the collective, they're like, I remember what food tastes like again. <laughs> and and I remember what it felt like to love. And I remember what it feels like not to have gray skin. <laughs> and I also remembered who I used to hate. <laughs> and that's the cause for all of the conflict on the surface is everyone also remembered those things right. from the before times. On the Voyager, they are doing a Y incision on this corpse that they brought over from the cube. The doctor really geeking out about it. Nothing like the vacuum of space for preserving a handsome corpse. Does Kess even know what a Borgs is, you think? I don't know. Yeah, maybe they, maybe she read about it in like one of her Starfleet medical manuals. Yeah, yeah, probably. She is assisting and uh, they're finding some evidence that maybe this guy got electrocuted which both corroborates BLT's theory and also corroborates the story that Chakotay was told, that the uh, cube was damaged in an electrostatic storm. I mean, they did find this body in a Borg bathtub. Uh So that checks out. (laughs) With a Borg toaster oven. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he is the toaster oven. Yeah. And, And weirdly, like for all of their technological advancements, Borgs don't have GFCI outlets in the bathrooms on their cubes. Weird. I mean, that's how ancient their race is. Yeah. (laughs) It it predates code. Yeah, yeah. They should assimilate that technological distinctiveness (laughs) into their own. That's just a good idea. I'm Kevin (laughs) O'Connor. My biological and technological distinctiveness has been added to the blog. (laughs) Our new project house is very cube-shaped. It's a very efficient design, strangely generalized with no specificity of function in any of the different parts. I'm Richard Trithui, and I've set up shop in their, in their utility area, which, as I gesture all around me, is the entire ship. The whole ship. It's, it's oops all manifolds, the ship. <laughs> Probably four or five hundred thousand dollars of PEX tubing went into building this thing. <laughs> Uh, the doc really makes a mistake here. The doc accidentally turns on the drone. The doc so confident about working with this body. Yeah. That's the worst part of it. It's scary. It's a it's another jump scare. He manages to flip the switch back off and this board goes back down onto the slab. But it's in that weird, like, this is a mostly robot type of thing. So, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't living tissue that came back. It was just that the, the robot started back up again. Yeah, I mean, sometimes dead is better. <laughs> uh, speaking of better, Chakotay is not. Yeah. He's not recovering. And uh, <laughs> the pitch from the people at the co-op is maybe you'd be interested in an experimental Borg therapy. <laughs> we want you to uh, join this text message thread. Now, uh, Riley here is going to be what we call your master. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're going to have to kind of do some accountability stuff with her. Chicote reads the label on the uh, on the medicine that Riley gives him and he's like, "This is Borg dewormer. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I'm not taking this shit." Yeah. He is uh he's not really into the uh weird off-brand medical intervention that they're suggesting to him, which is basically join our collective for a minute and yeah. we can use like part of the power of the board collective is its great healing power. Yeah. We'll Wolverine you back together, and then we'll unplug you. It's no must, no fuss. You're not you're not going to be stuck in the collective if you join us for a minute. Look at us. We're not like those other Borgs. I feel like his greatest fear is implantation, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. Like we're not going to stick anything in you. This is just messing around above the clothes. Yeah, this is uh, clip show device stuff. You know, it's not. Yeah. 
It's nothing permanent. He does that uh, that soft letdown. He's like, look, this is all very interesting. I'm definitely not making fun of your beliefs in any way, but I'm thinking I'm just going to wait for Voyager to get here. Yeah. And they're like, you don't get it. Uh, it's either this or die. And given those options, Chakotay goes through with it. Yeah. And this is a really weird scene where he gets the clip show device put on his neck and the Borgs kind of stand around in fellowship or something. <laughs> they they hold him down while the branding iron heads toward his pelvic bone. Yeah. And then he's like weirdly free about showing it to people on camera from then on. Right. It was incredible. There's kind of an interesting montage of like Chakotay memories and idyllic childhood memories of Riley's and Borg's memories and combat memories. Commercials for products you see on 24-hour news channels. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. really kind of brings into relief what violence the Borgs are willing to pursue in order to like advance their own technological and biological distinctiveness. We see a lot of grandpa footage in the montage, but you rarely see a grandpa Borgs, do you? Yeah. Where are the old Borgs? You never see old Borgs. You see baby Borgs. Yeah. Did they just live forever once they're drones? I mean, maybe, maybe this is the most monstrous part about them, Ben, is that they're ageists. Hmm. Yeah. Like Mr. Timison, they... <laughs> They hit a certain age and they they got to go. I'm so sorry, Timison. <laughs> you know what? Maybe Timison was right. Yeah. He wanted to punch out while he was assimilation age. Yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill after that. When the Borgs don't even want you. Yeah. You imagine you're on a planet surface and just like scoops are getting taken out of it. All your, your friends, your, your family is getting taken. All that remains are the olds. That's got to hurt, right? <laughs> yeah. What about us? I can still be useful. (laughs) I'll stop complaining, I promise. I'm biologically distinct. Look at how far (laughs) I can stretch this flap of skin. Don't think it's not tempting. So so Chakotay recovers. He's he's still got some Borgs in him, though. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a Borgs hangover, right? He kind of enjoyed the experience. He saw very personal things about everyone involved. That was the montage we saw. Almost too personal, Ben, and that makes me wonder if there were some people invited into this ring that maybe did not want to participate <laughs> based on <laughs> the things that they like to think about. Yeah. You know what? I I actually saw a burn barrel out there that needed some tending to. I'm going to go like put a stick in there and kind of stoke that <laughs> that fire actually. Chicote was healed, but he also learned a bunch of lines that are useful in hitting on Riley. Hmm. And uh, she is very receptive to this because the scene ends with some steamy makeouts. You hear this all the time. Like you can tell when someone's attracted to you if when you talk to them, they start touching their own face <laughs> and then you feel them touching their face on your own face. Yeah. That's a thing. What do you think about this kiss scene? Because they each kiss their own hand. Oh, because it's the, if I touch yeah. my face, you can feel it on your face. But it's also yeah. like middle school kids practicing kissing on each other. <laughs> it's real. Like the Borg special tingle is something that they're told is going to wear off in an hour. And so they better get to fucking. <laughs> yeah, but it's like having sex on E, you know, it's never going to be as good. After that. Is it more like masturbating on E? Because the suggestion here is that they're feeling themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like, if he can feel her touch herself, then he can feel himself going in, right? I know so much about you. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Don't tell Ensign Vorik. Don't tell Captain Janeway. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Voyager pulls up to this planet and the... Readings that they're getting are not super helpful. They can't find the shuttle. They can't find comm badges. They're not getting comms from Ensign Kaplan. Chakotay's got to be grateful for this, right? Like, just a little bit more time. (laughs) Do not walk in on me now, Janeway. (laughs) And we cut down to the surface, and he is helping her fix the comms array. Yeah. Finally getting that thing back up and running. And uh, he's really he's really gotten to be quite friendly with these ex-Borgs. Hey, you know what, Orem? 
Well, you know what I want to hear a little bit less about is how psyched you were that we got into that psychic ring before, <laughs> because I don't want to know anything about what you felt me doing in the last 45 minutes, okay? <laughs> like, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but maybe keep that to yourself. Yeah. Because we know, with beyond a shadow of a doubt, Orem and everyone else in that circle could feel them fucking, right? I think so, yeah. I just wanted to say how grateful to you we all are. They were probably all like, hey, uh... Now that I'm done stoking this burn barrel, I'm going to uh, go back to my room, lock the door, maybe take a nap. I'll be back in 15 or 20. What do you need your headphones for, Orem? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. They, they just help me sleep. So they get word from Voyager, and pretty soon we have a McLaughlin group Issue two. up on the ship where Riley is making her pitch to the captain, the pitch that she made to Jakotay. We've got this great co-op going. We've kind of come to the conclusion that the only way to ensure the security of the co-op is to turn on the neural link and make everybody part of a collective, but like a little collective, not the big evil one, just like a little local grass-fed grain-free collective. Do you think on Picard, on those planets where they had Romulan refugees, the grocery stores there were called Co-op Malat? <laughs> <laughs> Choose to live for the freshest produce. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Yeah. It's a good thought. You have to have like radical honesty about the prices in there though. Right. Yeah. Here's what we got it for. Here's the farm it came from. Look, there is a 30% markup and we're just going to be completely honest about that. <laughs> Which is razor thin by most retail standards. Someone's in there uh, buying ingredients for a cassoulet. So your cause is a desperate one. And uh, one of the employees like binds himself to his lost cause of, of, a, of a homemade recipe. Like, you're never going to pull that off. Cassoulet's too difficult. I love the... Uh... <laughs> I love the fact that this grocery store is uh, exclusively staffed by people carrying swords. Yeah, I mean, they'll separate the bunches for you. So the captain's like, well, Dr. Frazier, this is a really interesting proposal, letting a board collective reform itself. You can't be serious. I'm going to have to give it some thought. I'm, uh, I'm not going to give you an immediate yes. Janeway is great about solicitors on her doorstep. Yeah. Yeah. This is great stuff. The idea of a non-shitty collective has its intriguing elements to her, but she doesn't want to commit to anything here. And she's even pretty honest about being kind of pessimistic about yeah. ultimately saying yes. And when Riley leaves the room, Janeway turns to Chakotay and she's like, so what do you think? Like, should I do this? And Chakotay's like, I mean, if it was me, you know, I've I've been in their collective. They seem like nice people. It's all or nothing, though. Like, there's no such thing as a cafeteria collective. Right. Like, you're, you're all in or you're all out. Right. But this is such an interesting scene. This is maybe my favorite scene of the whole episode because Chakotay's been compromised and not in... Not in the usual, like, you know, spycraft kind of way. He's been compromised because he has feelings for these people and want them to be okay. And when Janeway asks his advice about what they should do in the situation, I think she knows that. Right. I think this is not just about getting an answer to the question that she can trust. I think she's also trying to figure out whether or not she can trust him generally right now. Yeah. Based on his answer. And so his answer is like totally qualified through the, your responsibilities are bigger than mine. And yeah. therefore, I don't think I can like wholeheartedly recommend you just give these people exactly what they want. And the risk is if they turn something else on, on the cube, they're turning the whole cube on and right. attracting the attention of the big collective. Yeah. And potentially, like, rejoining these people to the big collective, too. It's interesting they both kind of say it without saying it, that they're just going to have to let Riley down on this one. And <laughs> that's a job that falls to Chicote, which... That's not fair. Wasn't A, wasn't fair, and B, was just, like, a fucking brutal scene because he goes down and he's like okay so unfortunately no deal on giving you the collective that you requested so we're just gonna have to say our goodbyes here um i hope the bandits don't slaughter you and the rest of your co-op and she's like yeah me too uh, we'll see how long we can hold out but we're all gonna die you mind if i take one last face swipe for the road 
<laughs> you got a little schmutz on you right there. Yeah. I saw Neelix and BLT down here near this conversation, but it's just Chakotay and BLT on the shuttle ride home, <laughs> which I didn't quite get. <laughs> Neelix is like, uh, this is my last stop. You don't have to make a big deal about it on the show. I don't need any kind of flowery goodbye. <laughs> you can just leave me here. I left le- one last tape of the briefing with Neelix, and uh, if you guys could just play that tomorrow. I don't want to be around. For that. I'm sure you've watched me cook in the mess hall enough times to know that the burn barrel as a type of cooking is actually something I'm really interested in using full time. Like uncontrolled flame is how I like to cook. These people get me. <laughs> so they are on this shuttle ride when Chakotay gets collective voices in his head and he goes, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. It's Riley touching her own face. It's all of them touching their own faces. And Chakotay like kind of squirms in his seat and crosses his legs. They're singing Kumbaya Locutus. This is creepy shit. Yeah. And uh, it inspires Chakotay to get out of Dustbuster and stun Balana. And on the Voyager, they know that the shuttle has gone rouge and... Chakotay is doing a bad thing. Chakotay, not a great track record for losing shuttles. Yeah. I think everyone's a little afraid about where this is going to head. <laughs> yeah. More concerned about the shuttle, probably. Like, a first officer can be replaced. A shuttle cannot. Yeah. They know exactly where he's heading. The away team to apprehend Chakotay is on the cube when he is sneaking around looking for yeah. the thing he needs to power up to... You know, bring the collective to full strength. And the co-op are like standing in their seance circle, broadcasting the knowledge to him that the bad guys, the bandits are like at the gates of their compound, battering, ramming the door. It's so interesting and scary to hear Borg voice pleading for something. Yeah. And getting desperate. We see it. Like we see these, uh, these angry aliens trying to bash down the door. And Chakotay manages to plug something in as he's getting set upon by Tuvok and Kim. Kim actually hits Chakotay on stun. This is total science fiction, though, because like Chakotay gets the plug in on the first try. Oh, yeah. Usually you have to flip that thing over twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, it's twice. He gets the thing on and uh, bad news, the entire cube powers up. This is such a nightmare. But we see the the bad guys trying to break into the compound, like, stop suddenly. And we also see the still cybernetic-looking Borgs on the cube start to wake up and walk around. And they, like, no adaptation period. Like, they are already adapted to the phasers that are getting shot at them. And uh, it's an emergency beam out by the away team. I mean, I guess Janeway did get one very valuable data point off of this mission and off of being on this ship. And that's like dead Borg aren't dead. It's really quite simple. All life is a physical and chemical process, correct? Yeah. They can always come back. Cube looks like it's about to kill the Voyager and then suddenly (laughs) self-destructs. This was an unintentional laugh line (laughs) in my estimation because... Shit is going down. And from the bridge crew's perspective, it's all about like defense and counterattack. What are we going to do about this thing? And like, as soon as the firefight starts, Kim is like, they've set a three second self-destruct program. (laughs) And Janeway whips around to Kim and is like, I don't remember hearing their whispers. (laughs) And then boom. (laughs) I'm going to have to try that myself. (laughs) I usually like to draw it out, really luxuriate in it. But there's something kind of appealing about just punching it out like that. I'm going to take these Venetian blinds and just one by one drag a finger over each blind. Of course, it's locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm going to say this once. Chakotay wakes up in six bay. Turns out the neural transponder is uh, not going to be affecting him any longer. 
It's great news. Because the co-op tells them as much. Yeah. I thought that was a nice nice thing to do. Yeah, the co-op was like, hey, we're not going to chase you. We blew up that bad ship. <laughs> you can trust us now, right? Have a great trip. Uh, we just killed 1,100 people in front of you. I think you know what we're capable of. Yeah. Sort of obligated to trust us. The captain wants a minute alone with Chakotay, though. So she's like, hey, listen, that was... Not locutus bad, but that was really bad, that thing you just did. <laughs> and I know you weren't trying to do it. I know that they had sway over you, but uh, whew, kind of hard to separate from the ideals you have as a man because it kind of felt like something you might have tried without the influence of the co-op. That's such a fun part of the end of this episode is like where the co-op begins and ends and where Chakotay's interests begin and end there is a lot of blur in there right and whether the like stated higher ideals of this group of borgs can survive the corrupting influence of the awesome power that they get by becoming a collective again hey here's my star trek film paper about this moment like Whoa. do you think these refugees are kind of borg maquis maquis wow in a way that chakotay could appreciate yeah i really like that film paper adam yeah. We're going to put that in our Cahiers du Cinema du Star Trek. <laughs> I love like the dark beat that this episode ends with, which is like, wow, well, I guess they finally got what they wanted. And uh, things are going to be okay for them now that the conflict's over. But what are they going to be capable of once they get used to the sweet, sweet feeling of power? <laughs> Mmm, power. Yum, yum, yum. It's delicious. Yeah. Only good things happen yeah. when you've got power. Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I really, really did. And it's not just Borg nostalgia. Like, I definitely did feel a bunch of that during the ep. That was enjoyable to me. But... I think Chicote was such a great character to put centrally into this story. Yeah. As someone with maybe the fewest ties on the ship outside of Janeway. Yeah. I mean, I it feels like it's been a while since we've gotten a, a Chicote central episode like this. And so I, I just thought like beginning to end, I liked its construction for that reason. I guess if there's a downside to it, it's not one that I'll know about anytime soon, which is like, is this what Voyager the series is going to be obsessed with going forward? Like, did this just pivot into Borg show? I mean, I wonder. I, I suspect it kind of does because of what I know to be happening with some characters and whatever, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I hope not because the show's been really good for three and a half seasons uh, without the Borg. So it's not all Borgs going forward, but there's there's yeah. a lot more for sure to come. Um, what about you, Ben? Yeah, I, I really liked it too. I I found myself wishing that there was something in the script about the offshoot collective that Lore formed in TNG. Yeah, that'd have been kind of interesting if they had like brought that up as a comp in a McLaughlin group or something. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was a great episode and a really interesting script because it really had me thinking it was one thing when it was another several times. Yeah. Episode had you like. Yeah. I thought it was uh it was a lot of fun and and like it had the creepy factor when it needed to, but it also had a lot of, you know, it didn't stay in horror movie country the entire time. And uh I thought that was an interesting B Dunks did a good job with it. Yeah. I thought. Like yeah. stylistic when it needed to be. Like that that scene with Janeway and Chicote was very like devil and angel, but not in a completely like that you can hack that scene up yeah. in a way that it was not in this episode. It was really solid. I agree. Uh you want to see if we have any solid P1s in the inbox? Oh yeah, I think they're almost fully formed. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is from Dan and Starfleet Academy City. It's to the brothers Shimoda. The message goes like this. I was Dan number two of two Dans with P1s on the December 6th release of Greatest Trek Voyager S3E2 Tantric Lobotomy. 
This is sounding a lot like a convention question. <laughs> this was back when we were all excited about getting some of that new hot, hot Omicron. Remember? Good times. I do not know any of the other Dans, nor any Miriams, but I'm open. Congratulations on the name change and double dumbass on us all. Wow. Boy, that last line, Ben, <laughs> had me uh, had me like, whoa. <laughs> some, some challenging alliteration there from Dan and Starfleet Academy City. Oh, wait, I want... The the instructions where I want Ben to read this P1 in the voice of J.R. Quinonez. That is not a character that yeah. I remember you having, Ben. Yeah, I don't know what Dan is talking about there. I hope your read was sufficient for what Dan wanted. Dan seems to have an encyclopedic memory for uh, all of the P1s on this show. Yeah. Maybe we could get some clarification from Dan yeah. on this. J.R. Quinonez, a stand-in... And body double for Robert Picardo. Yeah. So. Oh, I, re- I remember that bit. <laughs> I remember that bit. He's the guy with a bad voice. You can't give him dialogue. <laughs> you remember? Oh, because he sounds like this? Yes. Oh. <laughs> there you go. You solved it. Now you need to read the P1. Dan in Starfleet Academy City, you threw a curveball. We don't remember shit we do on this show. <laughs> I don't remember the shit I did on this show. Yeah, yeah. This episode. Yeah, so sorry, sorry I didn't do that. I've got a <laughs> I've got a different P1 to read, and it is this. It's from Admiral Mindy and Cadet Fitzgerald to John, aka Captain Daddy. Goes like this. Dad and toddler, when the podcast swears, Fitz and I thought this was the best way to tell you we love you. He's only two, but he can identify three captains, TOS bridge crew, and his favorite song is the Picard song. We're raising this kiddo right, and he has the greatest dad ever. FODs, when John found you, he told me he'd found his people. How about that? Captain Danny, you found your people with the FODs. I love to hear it. A growing family with kids being taught all the important lessons. Yeah. Even though Fitz is uh, only two, I wonder if they have a, a preference of, of which captain, if, if, if they know three captains. I, yeah, I was expecting to to have them name-checked here. Yeah. Kind of want to follow yeah, up. Yeah, which three? There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> That's what people are saying. Too many captains. Oops, all captains. Well, if you'd like to leave a Priority One message here on the program, you can do it by heading to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! This one was easy for me. I mean, <laughs> Chakotay's down on this planet. Doesn't know how much time he's got. Yeah. Might as well have a little sex while I wait for the ship to return. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Just the idea that that is on the table. I mean, he's went through a, a, a trauma and he's experienced something pretty magical when being you know, collectivized with this group. We shared a very rare experience. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's never been more of a Will Riker than (laughs) in this moment. Like, this is straight out of the Riker first officer playbook. Totally. If there's a babe on this planet, I will attempt to bed her. Let's hear what your Shimoda is, Ben. I think I'm going to give it to Riley. I love the anybody that has the energy of, oh, it's not what you think. Let me explain in an episode. Yeah. <laughs> the, you found out I'm actually a Borgs moment. Like, was not played for comedy, but that kind of moment is always kind of inherently a little bit funny to me. So uh, she's my drunk Shimoda for this episode. I really like this actor. Yeah. I thought she did a great job. I agree. Nice work, that actor. Yeah. Well, what kind of work will we have ahead on the next episode, Ben? And how many Borgs will there be in it? That's what we need to find out right now. I'm, I'm guessing not so many Borgs this time. It's uh, Season 3, Episode 18, Dark Lang. The Doctor tries to improve his programming by incorporating traits of famous historical people, but is soon overwhelmed by the dark sides of their personalities. Famous historical people with dark sides? <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> oh. I mean, the the more we find out about 
famous <laughs> historical people, the more there is to loathe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that episode will end with them going into the holodeck and pulling down all the holograms of famous historical people. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea quite a bit. Um, wow. Well, Adam, why don't you head to gach.biz slash game and tell us how we will be reviewing Darkling. Love to, Ben. Before I roll these die, I've got to tell you, our runabout is currently on square 22. Hmm. Just a couple of squares ahead is a banger, which would move us back five squares. Uh, and that is pretty much the only obstacle ahead. Wow. So I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Could we not hit that naked now? Technically? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'll tell you that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. I rolled a three, which puts us on square 25, and it'll be a regular old episode for us. Okay, so we could hit the naked now next time. Yeah. Your favorite. I guess we could. <laughs> could do without that. Uh, wow. Well, we'll see what happens on the next exciting episode of The Greatest Generation. People are going to listen to that episode and just scrub all the way to the dice roll. It'll be the first time that that's ever happened. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate everybody that supports the show at MaximumFun.org slash join. If you're interested in that, we've got the Max Fun Drive coming up pretty soon. We've also got a bunch of live shows. Those are happening in a bunch of cities. Head to greatestgentour.com if you're interested in seeing our review of Star Trek Four. Ben, our first tour dates are this week. If you're listening to the show Whoa. the day it comes out, kicking off the tour on Wednesday the 23rd in Chicago, and then uh, Milwaukee and Minneapolis after that. So big week for us. Yeah. Uh, really hoping to see all of the friends of DeSoto out in those three places as we begin our next live show tour. Yeah, can't wait. Tours and everything, really, all made possible from the generous support of our viewers. You can count yourself among them by going to... I already said that stuff, Adam. Don't beat him over the head with the... Slash join. Don't beat him over the head with that. Uh, we got to thank Wendy Pretty, our producer, Bill Tilly, our card daddy, who runs the social media accounts at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. And maybe I'll get him into running the Greatest Trek TikTok account one of these days. I think I set that up. Oh, wow. He's going to love that. Everyone's going to love it. One more thing to upload a fucking audiogram to. Yeah. <laughs> and we got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made the original music on this program including the Janeway song he of course working off the inspiration of Dark Materia who made the Picard song we gotta thank Long Drink for making I was just gonna say I wanna thank Finnish Long Drink for making <laughs> this this episode possible specifically with that we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager an episode of the greatest generation Voyager that if we roll incorrectly might bring out Adam's dark side Mm, yeah. How much darker can it get? <laughs> Let's find out. You do like Liberace, don't you? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.